Good morning, Noodleberg Daily Huddle. Welcome back to Monday. Welcome back to July or June. Welcome back to hot ass summer. Uh, excited to be here with you guys this morning. We're going to be missing Steve Noodleberg, but luckily for us, we've got uh, Scotty Garber sitting co-pilot today, and we're going to have a great show for you guys. Awesome. Mark, what's up, baby? Welcome back to the show, Scott, and uh, to both of you gentlemen, happy belated first Father's Day. How was your day yesterday? Oh, man, that was uh, that was more magical than I think the Magic Kingdom is in. It was uh, it was incredible. You know, I mean, um, you know, we're one month today into this journey of um, you know, parenthood and, uh, to get it so early on was, uh, was special and got to do a little brunch action, a little jazz in the park and, uh, my back hurts. I didn't put her down all day. So it was, it was good, fantastic good for you getting out though. Good for you yeah. getting out within that first month of having the baby and getting outside and celebrating a little bit, going out to get something to eat. That's awesome. Shay, how was your first father's day? All good. Obviously mine's a little bit older, so she's crawling around and chit-chatting and <laughs> yeah. eating, eating eating everything so eating strawberries and you know so she was good it's all good that's awesome dad and you got a surprise on your father's day right yeah dad came down and uh and popped his head in because usually we do a you know facetime call and he says you know can chanel play and uh so he did that and he's he's facetiming and he's like come open the front door i was like i was like what the hell uh, that's so uh, awesome. So you got yeah. a surprise. And yeah. my my Father's Day was interesting because I actually spent Saturday without kids. Um, Kai is on the boat with uh, with uh, with obviously my dad still. And then we gave jewels to my mom and my stepdad and said, hey, can you guys babysit for a few hours? And Gabby and I went and, and enjoyed an afternoon to ourselves, which we have not had in a long, long time. So that was really nice. And then yesterday we did our normal routine. We were at church and then we got to spend uh, brunch with the Hills, which was fantastic because he is a soon to be father. And Thank then uh, we got a visit from Gabby's dad. So it was lots of love. We're going to go to some wake up music. We're then going to come back and I'm going to talk about how great Father's Day was on LinkedIn. And then we're going to continue the conversation. So we talk about it all the time. We talk about how LinkedIn is this unbelievable connection tool. And I don't know that there was a better day for me to be on LinkedIn than yesterday because seeing the outpour of love about dads, um, you know, obviously I posted and my dad posted, but as I was going through my timeline, number one, just the huddlers that were posting about their dad and what the relationship was with their father. And as I continued down that path, like I didn't know Clint Reed, but Clint Reed put a phenomenal post out there 
about his dad and working with his dad and what he had learned from him. And so it was just really cool, number one, because what an unbelievable way to connect with somebody. Number one, if you work with your dad or have that connection, you can have that commonality. But if you are a dad and you see people sharing loves about that about dads, it's another great way to connect with somebody. But just some of the words that I saw that stood out, love, courage, influence, work, example, accountable, dependable, unconditional, tough. So like when you hear those words and you see so many people posting about the same things, I thought it was just really cool and a great day to be on LinkedIn. Mark, I got to chime in here too. You know, I think it's really neat to think about what was Father's Day like on LinkedIn five years ago, right? Right. Like how the platforms <laughs> right. really evolved, right? People would be like, hey, happy Father's Day and keep it right. moving. And it's really neat to watch, you know, the teachings of the huddle and, you know, how people are taking this platform and really adopting it to now we're actually getting a behind the scenes shot at what it's like with Carissa and her father. And you see, you know, the, the real story behind it. And so it's just really neat to watch the evolution. Um, and man, I feel like I know these people's fathers and it makes more sense as you get to virtual coffees with them. Ah, I can see that now. So, so really, you know, kudos to everybody posting and being vulnerable and sharing those stories. It's, uh, just, you know, leveling everybody up. And yeah, that to me was like, it was just such a good connecting moment. Like, wow, if LinkedIn was like this all the time and you weren't getting hammered with sales pitches in your DMs and seeing people posting commercials about their business, if it was just a tool where everybody was posting like it was Father's Day every day, what a cool place that would be. So uh, awesome stuff. Going to kind of carry on the conversation a little bit and change topics. Last time you were on the show, we talked about NFTs and we talked about cryptocurrency. Yeah. And it was a great show. People got educated by it. People were, were really excited about it. To update people, if you're not paying attention to what's happening, cryptocurrency has continued continued to slide, right? It is like in a spiral downfall that most people, a lot of people are saying like, oh my God, this is going to cripple the economy. This is going to ruin cryptocurrency. And I just want to have a conversation about like, yes, it's volatile. Yes, it's bad right now because there's a lot of people pulling money out of it. But does that mean the technology is bad? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. And it's a fun conversation to have. Right. Like, I mean, I think that we have to take a step back. Um, you know, Bitcoin was around far before the pandemic um, and it was really, you know, operating in the, as this digital currency. Right. In its truest form, um, you know, when we think about all of us getting crammed into a box, staying at home, you know, we had we had these different outlets and. You know, instead of going out to the grocery store and instead of doing all of these normal things, we said, well, hell, if we're going to be living and engaging digitally, well, might as well put some money behind this. And so we watched this just huge boom. Right. And I think we're going to talk about the bell curve. But like, I mean, this thing, it spiked. Right. So like life is like oscillations, just like an EKG machine. Right. So it's going to go up and then it's going to come back down. And so I think, you know, we watched. Uh, you know, an unprecedented rise in not only um, the the monetary side of this, but the, the advancement of the technology as well. And so I think a lot of people are stuck on the traditional mindset of, oh, man, we're losing so much capital. I would challenge people to think about in two years, the advancement we made in the technology, right? And right. so if we look back to 08 and 09, um, you know, we were both down in Florida. Now, 
I don't want anyone to get the, this confused, completely different levers that cause the markets to go sure. there. But coming out of that, right, it's easy to do it in a bull market, right? It's hard yep. to do it in a bear market. And so what coming out of that, we saw Airbnb, we saw Uber, yep. we saw some great- saw Unbelievable companies come out that changed everything. You saw Squarespace, like yep. technology that changed the way we operated after that. So that's kind of my point to this is that like, Go even further back, like go into like 94, 95, 96 with the dot-com boom, like all of a sudden money went in and everybody was like, oh yeah, you got to get a dot-com, you got to get a dot-com. And then a lot of people lost their ass on that. That didn't make the dot-com bad, didn't make internet bad. The technology wasn't bad. It was just a volatile mar market. It was just a lot of changes happening, a lot of advances in technology, a lot of people trying to grab and innovate and move at the same time. So like, I, I challenge people the way you do to say, hey, like, just because the market is tanking right now, doesn't mean that the technology is going to go away. Mm. It doesn't mean that it's not the future or we're not going to at some point find a way to regulate it and adopt it and move forward with it. So don't use that as the excuse to not learn about it, to not yes. figure out what it is, because I want to show the Rogers bell curve. You know, this is the, the, the innovation adoption life cycle of what happens with all technology. And, you know, you've really only got a short time to be in that 2.5 to, you know, 13.5% of innovators and early adopters. And really in crypto, you still have the opportunity to get in to that, you know, 17% or 16%, whatever that number is, before you get to the early majority, which you still want to be on, before you then get to late majority and laggard. So as we're watching the technology world change, evolve and adapt, and like you're seeing all of these co things come out, the challenge to everybody is like, don't just look at the market and say, oh, told you. That wasn't going to work and it's going to go away now because you're going to be sorry just the way you may have been with dot com, with social media, with all of the tools that continue to move us forward and miss your opportunity to be in that early adopter, early majority before you end up in that late majority and laggard. And, and I would and I would layer on top of that and say this is a great opportunity, right? A lot of people will look at this and we lost a lot of people have lost a lot of money and will continue to lose a lot of money. And money's a tool, right? But like this now gives you a gap if you maybe were behind the bell curve a little bit to now get educated, right? Because what we're watching is this is weeds out a lot of people that were coming in for that cash grab or the bad right. actors. I'm here to tell you the infrastructure of the blockchain is not going away, right? right. This is just the beginning of it. We're not even right. Right. at the two and a half percent of adoption yet and so um use this as an opportunity to come in educate yourself um again as mark said it's a very volatile crypto market i would never tell you to put your money anywhere however but you can learn about the engine in the car that, and then that you can go ahead and make the it the whole point yeah that, like you don't have to be an investor to learn about it you don't mm -hmm. have to be trying to make money in the crypto market to try to learn about it like do what you need to do in order to understand what the technology is so that you have the opportunity to get on board when the time is right for you and still take advantage of the technology.
And it so, allows you to ask fun questions, right? Where are your, where's right. your company going in one, three, five years, right? How are you guys planning to engage with audiences, build community? Um, it just gets you out of the nitty gritty traditional conversation. And then you uncover opportunities that are alive right now. So I think there's a way to use it as a tool while educating yourself as well. I love that. So we are going to go to morning motivational music. Uh, uh, Lionel Richie turns 72 today. So no better way to celebrate his birthday than with some morning motivational music. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about one of the most successful organizations of all time and what their principles are and why that's made them successful. Great start to the morning. Gotta love some Lionel Richie. Happy birthday to him. 72. Wow. So we're going to move the conversation to the New Zealand All Blacks. Why? Because on this day in 1984, I believe it was, it was, or 1987, it was the first Rugby World Cup final, which the New Zealand All Blacks played in and won. And it was the start of what most people probably don't know is the most successful sports organization in the world. In the history of all competition, they are the most winning organization of all time in any professional sport. I'm going to play a video to give you guys an idea of who they are and what they look like. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the principles. So that's not an organization that I want to mess with. 
Man, I don't know if I should go dancing from Lionel Richie or run through a wall because of the haka, man. <laughs> oh, man, that is so confusing. <laughs> so that's how they open up all of their games, all of their matches. And something that obviously stands out to me there is the passion in which they present that ceremonial dance before. And so, like Laura says, do the other team just run off the field? Like, it's, it's in rugby culture that they have to just stand there and watch that. And so like, you know, it, it's an intimidation factor, but what makes it so successful is the passion and the commitment in which they present that with. And so we've got the 15 principles of their organization that have made that, you know, that team so successful over time. I don't know if you've got a chance to look at them, but I mean, I know for one the very first one is sweep the sheds. And the principle behind that is never be too big to do the small things that need to be done. Literally, they are responsible for sweeping the shed out, putting the equipment back in after a practice and doing the littlest things. So you're talking about professional athletes that are the most successful organization in the world and they're not using equipment managers. They're not relying on somebody else or pointing to somebody else to clean that, to do that. They're taking responsibility for the smallest detail within the organization, which obviously is something that makes them very successful. Man, I couldn't agree with that more. And I mean, we've both played football. We've both been around the game here in the U.S. Um, I actually wore my shirt today. So I actually got a chance to see the Hawk alive um, several times. And, and I think, you know, when we talk about culture, um, you know, you represent a country and then you represent a people there. And it's so much bigger than just the person on the field. And so the buy-in from New Zealand um, is next to none, right? And so when you're there, you feel it. And so the one that stuck out to me is 14, be a good ancestor, right? And so this isn't about you on the field. And I think that's true with rugby as well. It's not about, hey, I play offense or defense, or this is my one position. It's a team sport, 15 guys and gals out there, um, and, and you rely on each other. So to have it rooted where a whole country is behind you and a whole ancestry of people, um, every time they do that, that is there's a spiritual component, which I think is really quite cool to watch that come out in the form of sport. And um, if you have never had a chance to see those guys, you got to go check it. I mean, the hairs will stand up on your arm. It's wild. Well, this is where like when I look at an organization and, you know, they're unsure about why they can't get people to buy into what they're doing or why they can't get people to, you know, take responsibility for the smallest details. This is a thing that you have to be bought into the overall purpose. And the purpose of that organization is not to win games. You're talking about being an ancestor. They're bought into what it means to be an all black and off the field as, as an organization, as in the daily practice of what that actually means. And so if you haven't developed that identity, there's no way for somebody to pay homage to the ancestry of that company. So I think, you know, as you start to try to talk about, well, how do I develop a high performing organization or how do I develop a high performing group, even if I'm working with a small group of people, or how do I as an individual elevate myself in my organization, even if we don't embody these things, taking responsibility for the smallest details and not being too big to do something. Number six is a favorite of mine. 
no dickheads, right? It's it's a rule that, and we say no assholes, yep. right? Like so, and this is a self policing thing. I think far too often in organizations, there's a cancer in the room, or there's somebody who's an energy vampire who's sucking, you know, all the positivity out, or being a dead weight in the room. And everybody's looking at everybody else to say, well, who's going to say something or who's going to be the one to point it out or and then it just goes and festers and nobody ever does anything about it. It's every single person's individual to police and say, hey, there's a, there's a rule here. No assholes. There's a yep. rule here. No dickheads. You, we, we're not going to tolerate that behavior. We're not going to tolerate that language. We're not going to tolerate any of that because we know what can happen to it and it doesn't fit who we are. And when you're bought into something bigger than yourself, then when you're self-policing, right, it's no longer you are being an asshole and calling them out. This is for the greater good. This is for something that we're all bought into. And so I think that's a big, a big thing that I would see in my college teams, right? Like once you had the players policing the players, um, hey, it's not me being a jerk to you. I'm just calling you out for the betterment of the team. And same goes for the organization. Um, and if you're struggling getting your organization together, maybe you guys should just introduce the Hawka every day and uh, you know, use that as a binding agent. <laughs> I'm going to leave us with the fifth principle, which is create a learning environment, right? Which, and, and goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show, you know, in their principle, they say that leaders are teachers. I also believe that leaders are learners mm. in order to be a teacher. You have to constantly be learning new information. And for them, it may be very direct in the aspect of how they play the game how the rules evolve, how the game changes and staying on top and being able to teach that to everybody and creating that environment where everybody's learning. But I would challenge an organization in the business world to say, why aren't you doing the same thing in your day to day, pushing people to look at new technology, pushing people to look at new ways of doing things and not only pushing them to do it, but learning enough of it yourself so that you can be the one to share the knowledge and be that teacher to create the learning environment. So whether we are, you know, leaders at home and trying to create an environment at home, whether you're trying to be an individual and do it yourself, or you're trying to create an organization, that learning environment is something that I think is a fundamental for all pod performing organizations. Yo, drop the mic. I got nothing to say after that. Awesome. Great stuff. Thank you, Scotty, for filling in for the rest of the Noodleberg crew. We will be back tomorrow for another fantastic day and a Tuesday on the Noodleberg Daily Huddle. Until then, let's get down, let's to, get business. down to business. I'm up, please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. My friends keep telling me to leave this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get 